0: Welcome into a new edition of bullet points. I'm one of your hosts today, Kevin Masseri. I am here with Mike Bunt running a little bit late after the Sabres whopping victory here. Totally unexpected, Mike. So love to be a little bit uh, later on in the evening for something like that. Buffalo sports are roaring this week. We'll take it where we can get it and a hope to continue that trend in Buffalo here. Saturday noon game against Bunch Bobcats, very interesting game. One that I thought maybe preseason could have meant a little bit more than it might today, Mike. Um, but as always, got to mention, this show is brought to you by Hartman's Distilling Company. Get down. The butt is always ready with a logo. Always Barry. ready. Hartman's. I'm excited to get my hands on a bottle tomorrow. Uh, get down there and give Hartman's a, what, a, what a beautiful location. Get down there and get Hartman's a try as your sponsor of the bullet point show. But, Mike, let's jump into it now. Um like I mentioned, thought this might be more meaningful than it might end up being. Here, Mike, both teams are really looking to keep their season alive, for lack of a better term, against a you know a pretty decent, you know, somewhat decent rivalry. We won't call it the best, uh, maybe not even the biggest in the MAC, but it's it's a game that you know both teams definitely get up for. How are you? What are your initial thoughts on it, Mike?
1: Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Uh, before the year, you would have thought this game might have had. Uh, some meaning in the Mac East standings. But uh, with both of them now having a loss and Kent stayed off to uh, a hot start, it doesn't really seem like either team is really going to be in the race for the Mac East division title. But that said, uh, you hit the nail in the coffin, and that's actually going to be part of my preview video tomorrow, is right now you're just trying to avoid being in the cellar of the Mac East. Whoever loses this is going to have a pretty poor record. If you beat, you're 0-3, and, and then you're sitting at 2-5, and 5, Basically need to win out just to get to a bowl game. And for Ohio, for the most part, bowl game isn't even really something on their radar. They're just trying to have a respectable uh, conference play uh, with the opportunity to still play Kent State. So for Ohio, they still have that outside chance. It's not going to happen, but that outside chance of thinking, well, we can still play our way into a division title. For UB, it's just let's make sure that we can still keep our bowl chances alive going into uh, the middle later part of the season.
0: Yeah. And we got to start off the top. We're getting, we'll have plenty of time for Bunts Bobcats here, um, but we'll have to start off the top um, talking about the Kent state game. What a wild game that really was um, so many ups and downs, just broken coverages points, huge third quarter from UB uh, looking like they might have a chance to pull that one out with all the momentum didn't happen with another, we've talked about these, these faltering forts. We've talked about this on this show pretty extensively, and it's getting bad now. The fourth quarter is not good to the UB Bulls. I don't know if that's because if they're tied in games or down in games, that running game is not going to be as effective. I'm not really sure. I still need to dive into the tape a little bit more, Mike, on what is going on in this
1: fourth quarter for UB. However,
0: what, what were your initial reactions off of that loss against Kent State?
1: Yeah, that was a tough one. They just were the inferior team. Kent State was better, and it was clear as day to see that. Uh, I went down to Kent for the game, and uh, I had a good time. Honestly, I got all the fast food places I wanted to get to in Ohio. (laughs) So uh, besides the game, I was going to have a good time regardless. But uh, um, it was total destruction early on. Uh, Kent State was getting whatever they want. And the UB defense is supposed to be the strength of this team. But, Kev, you have always been critical – of the secondary and and rightly so going into this game. I said that I thought you need to be aggressive against Dylan against Dustin crumb and and make him prove that he can throw over the top. But my God, what a mistake that was uh, by my strategy. He threw over the top and not only did he do it once or twice, he was doing it consistently the entire game. And the only reason why they didn't score more points was because he missed on a few throws I swear, every single time they sent a guy deep, they had two, three, four yards of separation. And Dante Cephas just absolutely obliterated uh, the Bulls' secondary. Uh, In the third quarter, that was something else for UB to score 28 points and then uh, take a brief lead. Uh, They were hitting on all cylinders. And then you go into the fourth quarter, and you knew Kent was going to score, you knew they were going to get some of the momentum back. And what concerned me the most was when the Golden Flashes got the momentum back, we started seeing conservative conservative Coach Mo again. It's, this is a team that is not good enough to play conservative in the big moments. Now, the 24-yard field goal missed by Al- Nul- McNulty, that is not Coach Mo's fault. And that would have tied the game. I have no problem kicking that field goal. But when you let them go down the field to go up 10 – and then you are looking at a 45-yard field goal. I don't care if it's 4th and 10 or what the distance is. Your kicker just showed that he doesn't have the accuracy to make a chip shot. Even if you make the field goal with 8, 9 minutes, however much time is left, do you really think your defense is going to get a stop in that situation? They have shown no ability to get a stop the whole game. They allowed well over 600 yards. To me, that was Coach Moe doing the traditional coach's playbook. I'm going to kick the field goal, and then if he makes it, I can say I made it a one-score game. And if he misses, well, it just happens. But uh, I I thought outside of the third quarter, it was a pretty poor game all around by all phases uh, of UB. And it's it's clear Kent State's the favorite now. And unless something of a miracle happens – uh, they're going to be the team representing the Mac East this year. And I
0: thought they'd threaten last year. I was wrong about that. They they were okay. They were good. They just didn't quite threaten enough as like I thought Kent would do. But this year they are threatening. They kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, just crumbs developed nicely. The CFIS. Let's get into the stats of the game. Six hundred and thirty-three total yards from Kent State. Can't have it. You can't have it in a Mac game. You're not playing. You know a top end. Uh, you know power five school, you can't have a 633 yard day, just it just you just straight up can't. This isn't seven overtimes against Western, you can't have that kind of performance. That's just not good enough. 549 yards. I was watching the game with uh someone casual, casual UB fan, they're like, Does, does this conference play defense? They just you know, and I'm like, I, I can't defend it when there's 1200 yards, I, I don't have any defense for a 1200 yard performance. That's just that's you know, borderline five five games. And the Kent State know.
1: defense was terrible too. I mean, they, got they, it. they weren't great. And, and, and yeah. what I think the scarier point is this: when I refer to like UB being good, we we've had a lot of these bullet point conversations where we go at it uh, with one another. But when I say UB is good, I'm not saying they're a top sixty team in the country. A lot of times when I'm saying UB is good, I'm referring to them compared to their competition in the MAC. But when you look at Kent State, they played Texas A&M, they played Iowa, Maryland, and then they played VMI, who they destroyed. And I'm not going to – it's hard to evaluate when you're playing the big dogs because, on one hand, um, they're so much more talented that you don't really expect to see the production. And maybe that battle-tested is what Kent needed to get on fire. But Kent State struggled to score points against all three of those teams. So even though those are elite programs, at least Texas A&M and Iowa, it's not like – UB should be allowing 600 yards against Kent state. No, it's okay. If you allow 30, 35 points in like 450 yards, like that's not great. But like you could survive and UB could win a game like that to allow 600 yards. And we're calling the, and I'm calling the defense the strength of this team. That's, that's scary.
0: Yeah. That's scary. Points were 29. Um, average that's 119th in the country it's just it's just not getting it done on any 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 facets any any end of the spectrum um right now for the team so you know I thought Crum's numbers were skewed because you just went over why um, some of the, the large opponents that they played. And last week I was like, well, is Crum is really going to be the the Crum that you know people could have expected from him? And I'm sitting here saying, yeah, it reminds me a lot of the Oates teams that would go out and play kind of the earlier Oates teams that would play strong competition and then come Mac play, they would be the best team in the conference. And that's what you saw here. And then toward the latter end of Oates' tenure, they were winning those, those power five games, obviously, um, as, as many know and tournament games, you know, getting himself a job at Alabama and beyond but it's kind of the same strategy um, from Kent State here playing they knew they probably didn't have a great shot they struggled a little bit against Bowling Green in that opener uh Mac opener um but Dustin Crumb really got going for 400 yards it just it's just too many for for what happened 407 yards a, a whopping 11.3 yards per attempt um and 5.2 it's Double what Kyle Vantreese is able to output, going 23 for 44 for 229 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions. I mean, that's from a redshirt senior. It's just not good enough. I mean, there's just no better way to put it for me. It's just not good enough for what you expect. And could there be multiple facets in the bullet points chat? We've talked about it. Could there be multiple reasons? I'm not just pinning it on, uh, on Kyle Vantreese. It's just not good enough from a team that was ranked last season. You can't have that kind of performance from the quarterback spot. Anyways, you get into some positives of the game. Dylan McDuffie looked very good, 10 for 87, 8.7 uh, 8. yards per carry, and a touchdown. Kevin Marks played a little bit better than he has this season, 16 for 80 and two touchdowns. And Ron Cook Jr. still continues to do his thing, 14 for 72. Keon Williams, another, like probably one of the saving graces of this passing game coming on from EMU, 8 for 86, continues to dominate MAC play with Cephas. Um, Still above Cephas and, and receiving yards. So uh, that's cool to see. Just not much to really note on the defense. Just a flat performance. It is on the road. I'm struggling to see how this team's going to win many games on the road, Mike. As you look down the schedule with Akron, they should probably take care of uh, Miami of Ohio, and it's no gimme. And not, neither is Ball State um, at this point after what they've been able to do a little bit. You know, they've had some 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 wins against WMU Army. Um, you know, that's not a gimme either. So uh, the, the the schedule gets tough. I'm not feeling great about my six and six, um, to be honest, preseason. I'll pick them as they go. Let's let's turn the tables, though, to this Ohio game. What we're all here for today is to talk about Ohio, turn this page. One of these teams is staying alive. I mean, I, mean, I think that's fair to say. Um, one of them, the losers, probably out of anything serious. But um, as you look at it, I mean, we're going to start at the top with Ohio. We expect, I, I mean, maybe you did, maybe I did. We all did. You know, I expected a little bit more out of what I was hearing from Rourke. Um, You know, he was a guy that was supposed to be better than his brother. Is that kind of what I heard for rumblings or initial on from Curtis Rourke? Um, You know, and then uh, he's just not anymore. Is he going to continue? Let's start there. Is he going to continue to be the starting quarterback of the Ohio Bobcats?
1: Honestly, I'm not even sure to, to, to be quite frank with you. It's an interesting situation. So, we all know about how Lance Leipold left UB uh, and Coach Mo had about 115 days. Well, yep. How had a similar situation, some similarities, some differences. So Coach Frank Solich, who's been with the program forever, leaves the program in mid-July, uh, just out of nowhere. Uh, doctor recommended him to retire because he was dealing with some heart issues. And next thing you know, your offensive coordinator for the long time takes over as head coach. So you'd think with a program like Ohio, a lot of continuity, they've been with the same staff forever, that you'd be pretty much seeing the same team. But it, it's, it's been anything but. And the, the thing with Rourke that I guess has been tough for Ohio is Ohio is used to having a dual threat quarterback. Uh, going back to when I went to school there in 2009, guys like Boo Jackson, Theo Scott, Tyler Telleton, Nathan Rourke, they've always had the guys that uh, were a uh, threat the option game, but also decent passers, decent enough passers to, to really open things up. Curtis is not a mobile quarterback. He cannot run, he cannot get to the edge. So their option game is basically non existent when he's in the game. Now, Ohio is similar to UB for the most part in which they don't recruit at a high level. They've been winning consistently for the last 15 years with two star guys that they just develop kind of like what Leipold did in the beginning at UB. The problem is when you have a a pocket passer that is no threat to run the ball and you have these two star wide receivers going up against players that are just better than them, they don't get open. And as a quarterback, you're forcing things and Curtis, He's technically a third-year redshirt freshman because of all the <laughs> COVID uh, rules. Just is, hasn't been able to figure it out. Guys are not getting separation, and the offense has been stagnant. But on the other problem is you, you think, okay, he's not working. Make an adjustment. Well, their backup quarterback, Armani Rogers, who's a transfer from UNLV and the son of former Buffalo Bills linebacker Sam Rogers, who played in Buffalo from 94 to 2000. He's a great athlete. He can run with the best of them. But he sucks at passing the ball. So you have one guy that is a gunslinger, and you have another guy that can't throw the ball if his left depended on it. Rogers, Rodgers, for his career, he's in his fifth year, is a 50.7% passer completing the ball. So when, when you have Rodgers in the game, you know all they're going to do is run the ball. Now, he's, he had a decent game last week against Central Michigan finding some guys but they're just too one-dimensional when either ga- guys in the game and their running game which has been their bread and butter for so many years Tuggle and Allison are decent names but they're really not killing it Tuggle has a good good stat line but they just their offense has been horrible and their defense is allowing 31 points a game and their offense I think is 116th in the nation scoring 19 points a game they just they've been playing bad football and it's as simple as that. Uh, only other only excuse I can make for them is that they opened the year against Syracuse, who's been better than what people thought going into the year. They're three and three, but they're re- respectable right now. They beat Liberty earlier this year. They played a Louisiana team that's five and one, that is clearly better than them. And then they played Northwestern, which while not lighting things on fire in the Big Ten, they have a good defense, and uh, it's tough for a MAC team to match up against any Big Ten team. So. The Duquesne loss is really the, the one loss where Bobcats fans are scratching their heads. But this is not an Ohio team that uh, you've seen the last 10, 15 years, and they might have their first losing season since 2008.
0: Wow. First losing season since 2008, huh? I think it's, it's, it's in the cards. And, you know, they're going against a UB team that is scoring 31 points per game for the most in, uh, in the MAC at this point. I mean, that's, I don't know, would anyone have guessed that? That's know. kind of ironic,
1: considering every week we're kind of criticizing the offense, but that Wagner game really uh, really kind of makes the stats kind of upside down. Yeah, so.
0: I mean they're they're tenth in the conference in passing, so I mean, that's a thing. They're third in the conference in rushing. Um, they're third in conference in yards per game, so you know one hundred and eighty six points. Where is that coming from? it's it, it is skewed. So if you were to look at advanced statistics say in baseball, whether baseball pay, players use FIP, Or Sierra or uh, expected batting average, they're playing above. The offense is playing above their actual output. So you know, if you look at you know tenth in passing and and leading uh, leading the conference in in offense, I don't know about that. That doesn't make a lot of sense. So take out
1: take out the Wagner game. So they're averaging thirty one points a game. They score sixty nine against Wagner. That's thirty eight points. Divide by uh, UB's what two and four right now. Divide by six. So you're talking about essentially they're scoring six and a half points less per game if you take the Wagner game out. So they're about a 25-point-per-game team. That's still not awful. I mean, honestly, like – that is higher than what puts you in the middle of the MAC.
0: Yeah, puts you in the middle yeah. of the MAC. Um, and that's you know realistically on the on the offensive side, it's where they are for as good as their running game can be. I just still think the quarterback's holding them back. And I'm not sitting here pumping the brakes saying that they have an answer. I don't know. Like I had some difficulties with Matt Myers early on. That was freshman. You know, with a pretty good UB team, I had some issues as with him as a freshman being gun shy. You know, some of the things similar to the current starting quarterback, but. I don't know if they're in Trevor, uh, Trevor Buzinski. I don't know if there's anything there, you know, case. I, I, I don't know that they would go that route. So really looking at Myers, how much better will he really play Mike? I don't know, but you should pretty much find out after the Ohio game. If something goes, goes wrong in the Ohio game. I think you need to look at the, at the bat position group, but um, you know, we've talked about, you know, UB's offense uh, pretty, pretty strong amount. You know, we've already talked about Trees. you know, we talked about Mc, uh, Marks, McDuffie and cook. It's a pretty good three-headed monster. You get into the receiving core and there's just nothing there. There's nothing there across the board except Keon Williams. It is just how teams aren't triple covering the guy. I don't know. Let, let's see what, you know, Dominic Johnson does to you or, you know, LeBorn or, you know, it's one of those guys. I mean, these guys have single digit catches. Um, you just, I would double cover at least realistically Keon Williams. And I don't know, let's see if, you know, Molinich or Borland or one of these guys that can beat you, you know, you have a kicker who can't, you know, five for 11 Alex McNulty is you can't kick him anymore. I mean, if you're under 50% clip going for, it's a better move statistically across the board. It's a better move. They've had struggles all, all, all time in special teams. Punting has been a wreck from Balter, um, you know, to, you know, whatever it is that they think that they're going to do at that, at that punting spot. It's just been, a, it's just been a mess, Mike. So yeah. special, special teams, Iraq, wreck. I have some issues with how well it's, it's playing in general. What's your opinion?
1: I think uh, the, a couple things uh, that you brought up. I do think there might be some talent at wide receiver and other positions like quarterback that are lower on the depth chart, but they're just too young right now and not polished enough. So it's really tough. Like a lot of these recruits, they weren't Mo's recruits. And they're, they're coming in. He hasn't, he hasn't had years of building relationships with them. Like, So, at the Kent State game, I randomly tailgated with uh, a player's parents. And, um, for example, a guy, uh, Allie Fisher. um, Dude was a three-star wide receiver recruit out of Michigan. He had offers from Kentucky. He was getting looked at by big-time schools. How is he
0: not good enough to play? I doesn't make sense.
1: You you wonder that. Well, he did deal with COVID, and he had to quarantine for two weeks in a hotel by himself. So, maybe – Maybe that plays a factor, but you think that guy—he he was getting by the whole. Uh, yeah, he had like fifteen offers. The guy, you think somebody like that should have the talent to be able to to get some playing time, and then uh, you look at quarterback right now. I think it's a two man show. It's either Van Trees or Myers. We talk about nice. Bazinski, but we really don't know deep down how the program thinks of him. They have another three star recruit at that position, Brian Plummer, who was from the Virginia area. Might he be a guy down the line that gets more opportunities? Who knows? I think the the issue right now is with everything that's happened with the last couple years of COVID, transitions with coaches and stuff like that, they're kind of just sticking with the people that they know they can, quote, unquote, rely on. So that's why you're seeing guys like Dominic Johnson, Keon Williams, and stuff like that, and Van Trees. But I do think we are getting to the point where – like you said, if they lose to Ohio, you, you have to put Myers in the game. And it's not even about sacrificing the rest of the season. Just look at what Myers does every time he he's in the game. He's obviously a much better athlete who can make plays for himself. I also think Myers can throw the ball around a little bit. And that was part of the reason why I liked Myers when he was a freshman and he won the job over Van Trees. I think – He has the ability to open a lot of things on this offense. Now, what I want to see Coach Mo do, because I don't think he's just going to name Myers the starting quarterback, but I do think he wants to continue to get Myers into the game. If you're going to do that, let Myers throw the ball on occasion. What's it going to do? It's not going to kill you. If anything, it opens things up even more. Because right now, defenses, they know every time Myers is in the game, it's either going to be a handoff uh, where a guy's going to go up the middle on a draw, or he's going to roll to his left, most likely, and try to get some yardage. And has it been effective? Yes, but at some point it's going to get stale, and it's not going to work anymore. So I, I would love you be to kind of turn that into a little bit of a, an option where fake the handoff or maybe roll out, drop back in the pocket, and try to go over the top. I, I think maybe may they've been working towards this the whole year, but I, I think it's the time to where we have given them leeway to – do what they want, but at some point you need to start showing some results. And right now you're getting to the part of the max schedule where you're playing inferior teams. You need the results. Now it's no more. You're playing Nebraska. You're out match. You're playing uh, coastal Carolina. You're outmatched. No, this week you're playing one in five, Ohio, which is one of the bottom 20 teams in the country. As hard as that is for me to say show that you are vastly superior to them.
0: I mean, and if you're not, there's some problems. I mean I think we we I could even I'll even get to the point if they don't take care of Ohio, I'll even start saying to the point it's below my expectations and I generally somehow I'm the lowest one on the totem pole with expectations um, and that that's a perfect time for. The update of the day. That's this bullet point standings. Maniac comes in at a three and three pick the balls. That's struggling, maniac. Five, he's a 500 balls picker. Go to Rob, four and two. Impressed by Rob. Four and two so far. There's a major tie at five and one between Ty, Mike, and uh degenerate Al. Um, all sitting at a nice five-and-one, a pretty nice five and one. And then there's me, six and oh, leading the pack as we get into Ohio. You guys don't know how bad that. I wanted to pick them. Ohio's just not good. They're just not good. Ohio's not good. I'm sorry, Mike. They're just not. I don't. I don't point. like.
1: I don't like that you just mentioned the standings for the first time uh, the week after the tie ended. It's and halfway
0: through. You,
1: uh, the reason I don't like it is like deep down, I know that you are leading the standings. Yeah, but we all kind of know that. Like, I picked Kent State as a way to kind of break the tie. I I mean, I picked Buffalo to break that tie okay. I didn't really believe in my pick. I mean, we, we, I, I basically said that on uh, the last time I spoke with you, I'm like, I'm going to go with Buffalo against Kent, but it's more to, to break things up. And you were, you were on the good side. I was on the bad side. So I I give you credit, but I
0: was, you were going to have some games down the stretch to make up on me because I don't know where you're going with that at, at Miami game versus NIU and at ball. But those are going to be three games. Those are going to there's be probably, the sliders, yeah. There's probably going to be three games in there that are going to make or break because you know we got Ohio and Akron. Let's be honest; I do believe, regardless of how the games play out, the majority of the bullet points crew, if not all, will
1: probably take UB in both of those so games. I do have the picks by everybody. Okay. Okay. But well, I, but,
0: Mike, Michael, Michael, drop them tomorrow. Um, oh so yeah, we'll, right?
1: we'll break them tomorrow. But there okay. is there is one score that is an outlier, uh, but it's not mine. Uh, there, okay. we, we we all we're all going in the the blue and white, but there's a oh six, okay yeah I think a, I know what' you're talking about there's a 69 to nothing score prediction, so uh, take that for what it's worth. Well, well,
0: could be it could be right on the winning side, but I don't know how right it's going to be with the score prediction because I'm going to be shocked if either of these teams win by more than four to nine point range um, I would be absolutely floored in this game but anything can happen I guess Ohio could come to UB and Schley an Ag I guess so that's good. interesting
1: with how you think it's gonna be close because the uh, the line this week is minus nine which I thought that was pretty pretty high considering that Ohio's been strong in MAC play and UB has had back-to-back I I have UB winning I mean, in- I'm taking the
0: points I'm taking the points I'm taking the points all day. I think UB wins. I mean, you just said, you know, the crew takes UB, and I think, you know, it'll be consistent through Akron game next week, a total sweep um, there as well to get UB like back in. The, if they do win back to back, guys, I will say, like, you know, I don't need to take a turn for the negative here talking about games down the road, but um, if they do win back to back, which is possible, um, probable even, um, they are right back in it. You really just need Kent to lose a WMU here next week. Or this week, excuse me. And then you need Ohio and Miami to come up big for you, uh, someone to take care of them. And then you're, you know, you're in a three way tie, things can happen. I don't know. I don't know what That's will happen. So the saving to- grace
1: is that the Mac West is so strong that you're going to have Mac West teams that could beat Kent. But God, it, you're, you're really open for a three way tiebreaker at six and two, or somehow Kent losing three. Uh, Three games out of the next six, uh, that's that, tough.
0: That's really tough. The defense, to defense is scary bad, man. I kind of yeah. look at the Chiefs style. They're the Chiefs version in the MAC, like in terms of like how they play. So it really is kind of like that. And it's like, well, it's possible that they can drop some games because the defense is worse than I thought. thats I'll be honest. I, I did not expect Kent State's defense to be that poor. It's bad. Yeah, so I do think there's – is you can't let up that many points in a quarter. I mean, its they're going to have some faults down the stretch. I do think they'll come out the way into the championship game and maybe put up a good fight because they can score, but that's not a good performance. I mean, but hey, I was trying to be positive. I think that there's like some scenario where late in the season, you know, you could be going into that, uh, you know, we'll call it the Bowling Green game. Maybe you can win that even, and then all of a sudden, yeah, things could get a little, little, little nutty. Miami needs to help you a little bit or something. You never know. Um,
1: At this point, I'm, I'm not even worried about the division. I'm yes. just saying get to seven wins, get a bowl game. I, I checked ESPN bowl project, projections just for the sake of it. And I saw one of them had you be going bowling even at two and four. I mean, there's a there's enough bowl games. I think eighty-four, I think eighty-four teams well, out you of need, 130 go bowling. So
0: you need five. Let's count it out right now. So you'd have Akron, Ohio, that's two. You gotta beat bowling green, that's three. You can only lose one game, Mike. So you know, you gotta take care of Miami on the road. Take care of the home game against NIU. You got to really rail off five in a row before maybe the ball state game, which might not even matter. Um, there wouldn't maybe there isn't. Kent I mean, it's not, of be, it's not going
1: to be easy, but that's the focus going forward. It, you essentially way, have to win how five how in a row. Getting, how have we gotten 30 minutes in and you haven't even rasped me about being an Ohio alum yet? I mean, we've mentioned it, but I I'm surprised. Well, you I think
0: it's. You know, for me, it's like they suck. There's really nothing to even uh-huh. say other than they they suck. Like, really, their football team's terrible. Yeah. Come on, I'm the one of the six of us or five of us that that, that says, you know, you be U uh, B basketball is going to have a challenge against Ohio. Thank God they lost mm-hmm. Preston. Um, but yeah, if this was
1: basketball, this this would be uh, yeah, it'd be a different. What sort I be like, UB uh, UB I don't UB even UB UB. um I'm like cloning
0: you uh, for a, for a seven point U B home win. Like I don't know.
1: Okay, yeah. Um, well, Rob, Rob will probably take things up yeah. a level at some point. But I, I will say this. Um, I've heard many UB fans over the years refer to Ohio as a somewhat rival, um, which I, I always kind of find kind of funny. My, my perspective on this, just to go a little bit into it, I don't think Ohio and UB are really rivals, in my opinion. I don't think Ohio fans view UB as a rivalry. And I don't, I don't even mean that as something to be disrespectful. It's In Ohio, they hate Miami just because they view yeah. them – that's a natural rivalry they've had forever. And they view them as just a bunch of preppy, annoying kids. They have a geographic rivalry with Marshall that goes back decades. Even though they're not in the same conference, when they play each other in football, uh, it does get in, uh, quite a bit intense because Marshall looks down on the Mac and – Ohio fans like to think of Marshall fans as Hillbillies and then there's a little bit of that Akron Kent State uh, bad blood in basketball. Um I do understand that why UB fans think of Ohio's rival. Got to go back to the MAC Championship game, Leon Williams, then a couple of the years with Reggie Ohio killed UB's hopes. And there is some nice blood on the on on the basketball side of things, but this one thing I will say, even though I don't view this as a rivalry, I think UB in Ohio has been one of the consistently good matchups in the MAC for football and basketball for a decade plus. Uh, whenever these teams hit the field, it's normally a competitive game and something happens. Um, even when UB wasn't good at football for for a long period of time, they would still find a way to beat Ohio at home, and uh, basketball back and forth. So, like I said, yeah, I'm looking forward to these games because uh, even though it tears me apart, these are always fun ones. And I, I don't have the record on top of me, but UB's re- UB against Ohio at UB Stadium is something crazy, uh, if my recollection serves.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. And there's going to be like basketball coverage. So, well, you know, it's a good time to talk about it. I think we had a great 33 minute show here, Mike. There is going to be great basketball content coming up in the next couple weeks. UB came in 60th? 60th,
1: 60th and yeah, that's pretty 60th. impressive. Just yeah. think about Big Four. You're going to have Bana 19th, UB 60th. If UB can beat Bonna early in the year, that's a conversation for another day. But with to so some of the teams on UB's schedule, they can get a couple wins early. And we could be talking about a Nate Oaks type uh, – Special season here.
0: They do. They did take the lead. I think Ohio's right there with them, but they did take the lead in the Mac, in my opinion. Yeah, 100%. On,
1: yeah.
0: On Preston's that special to me. He's a guy that even early on in his career, I'm like, ah, oh, this guy's going to suck um, to play against. It's just not going to be fun. And he showed it last year in the, in the finals, the Mac finals. You know, I thought UB was coming in hotter. I thought they looked a little bit better. And Preston's just like, nah, like you know, we're taking you know, we're gonna take this from you. And UB just, just laid an egg. Um, and this season, kind of reverse though. You're coming in with Jonathan Williams. And you're gonna come in with, um, you know, Josh Mbala and, and Ronaldo Segu. And we'll see what they have out of the recruits. Um, you know, Coach Jackson. Um, you know, there's there's this is there's this some
1: so the talent. This is UB team. Oh God
0: they might be finally deeper than they've been under Jim White. So this the problem team, they couldn't they couldn't put anyone off the bench last year. They didn't anyone off the bench zero.
1: This team needs to be a 23, 24, 25 win team with a with a net ranking in the top 50. Honestly, possible. They do, if they can do that, you can get like a 10 or 11 seed for this squad. And god, it's it's, it's so you're talking th- Jonathan Rondo and and now they finally got some depth and young guys coming in. God, if think if they don't get it done this year, they never will.
0: It's very possible. And to Mike's point, you got Michigan, North Texas, you're playing Ryder, Stephen F. Austin, St. Bonaventure, Western Kentucky. Yeah. Um, Canisius, UC Irvine. Um, you know, they're trying to schedule even some decent names in other conferences, not, not huge. Um, and then they get into the max schedule from there. But early on, November 10th, Big Ten Network, 6.30 p.m. against Michigan. Um, and then, you know, they're just going to play on the road for a little bit, going to North Texas. It's going to be fun, Mike. Lots to look forward to in UB land, even if something goes south here in the UB football schedule. Hopefully, Coach Mo gets a whole offseason, Could be a little bit more aggressive with play calling defensively even too down the stretch. Give some struggling corners some help. We saw that, the reluctancy to, to put – and he do something different against C3. Help,
1: help them, please.
0: You couldn't stay in man coverage anymore, and they
1: stay in man coverage.
0: I don't know. I don't I don't know. Like it just it just it you just know if Ohio work. goes over the
1: top, then there's no it's not gonna get better. The the no. see, that's the one thing we I didn't even get to this matchup. You know what? Ohio can't throw the ball with their in the game. So really this is if UB's secondary looks bad against Ohio then they're one of the worst in the country because Ohio can't throw the ball. spoiler
0: alert. It might. And anyways, <laughs> and, and I mean, it's, it's just, it's just, it, it was bad last year. They lost some players and it got worse. It's not a good unit. Like, I'm sorry. I'm just speaking realistic. Like I want one it day. to be good. one day. I real I really wish it was good. They've had some, Cam Lewis is an NFL player. He's a legitimate backup slot cornerback in the NFL play super good. They've had talent at this group and they had talent throughout different years. It's not right now though, Mike, and it's not a good unit. It is kind of helped a little bit at times by the front seven, but that back four is just it's just poor and you can't win with that poor of a, of a back four, even in the match you saw it from Crumb. Getting into this matchup though, Mike, it is, are we going to do score predictions? Are we going to wait for Friday? What's the I'm deal just with it? This?
1: Just the-
0: the- 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 All right, bounce it to you, score prediction and why? Keys to the matchup.
1: Well, obviously Ohio because they're the best university in the Midwest, the Harvard on the hockey. And
0: Mike got muted. So I'm going to t- – no, I'll just let's hear <laughs> it. Like,
1: but uh, if I'm going to be serious, uh, my prediction will be Buffalo 27-24. I think this is a game where we're going to see both units bounce back. I think the offense is going to look good. They're going to pass the ball a lot more, I think, uh, than they have in recent memory. But you know what? They don't even need to pass the ball because Ohio can't stop the run. Ohio allows 240-plus yards to come on the ground, and they will have no answer for the three-headed monster of UB running backs. I think the score is going to be closer than what the actual contest will be. Um, I say 27-24. would not surprise me if Buffalo wins this one by double digits. They're the better team. Only thing that scares me is we just saw UB struggle against a mobile oh, running quarterback, quarterback I mean, yep. Armani Rogers is one of the best runners in the conference. So that's the only thing that gives me a slight pause. But other than that, I feel pretty confident despite my, my close score prediction.
0: Yeah. I mean, I didn't realize you're so close 28, 24 UB. Uh, I don't think they're going to, they're going to struggle against a running quarterback. Ohio's going to be able to keep the ball a little bit um, to, to help out their defense. Um, I just, I, I think the running game of UB is going to prove to be too much for Ohio, but Ohio is going to have its moments. UB needs to adjust to a running quarterback. They struggled against Western Michigan's LB um, and he had not run at all prior to the UB game, a running mobile quarterback like Crum, you know, and now Monty Rogers in this case, they need to do, they need to say, all right, if he beats me deep and he's act more accurate than 50%, well, kudos to you. You made a couple plays. You can't have him beating with his legs. You need to run DE contained. You need to have a mush rush. You need to do different things to, to keep him in the pocket. You need to keep him in the pocket. Keep him in the pocket. Make him throw. going to be a good day for UB. They don't break contain, gets to the edge, may even make a throw or two at that point. It's going to be trouble for UB, um, especially because Rourke didn't play last week. Was he hurt,
1: or are they just straight up saying no more? Is that? I didn't pay enough attention to that going in, so I'm not sure. But one thing Same I will player. tell you, this Ohio team does not have a Dante Cephas. They do not have uh, a Keyshawn Abram. They, their two top receivers are Cam Odom and Tyler Walton. They both have around 200 yards on, on the year. They both have around 20 catches. I think one has 16 and the other one has 20. They're decent players, but they're not guys that are going to kill you. They don't put the fear into opposing D coordinators. Um, they have a couple tight ends that are decent that I actually covered in high school when I went to Ohio university. So that it's crazy that they're still playing college football when I was covering them, when they were, they were in high school, but um, in the Lerman brothers, but they just don't have enough weapons. If Ohio can't run the ball, they're going to struggle. And uh, I, I just think they're too one dimensional. This is a game UB has to win.
0: Fair enough. You heard it from Mike. You heard it from me. Get down to Hartman's distilling some of the best locally brewed vodka and all other spirits right there. Logan Barry style. I cannot wait to, I'm not kidding. I can't wait to get my hands on a bottle hoping that, you know, I'll be in the Buffalo region. I am already in the Buffalo region, but I'll be in the Buffalo area tomorrow, hoping that um is going to, going to, going to, going to, going to get me going on some, I cannot wait to get in touch with heart but what a great product. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll have it here too soon for our next show. So pretty excited about that. So get out there, try it out. Hartman's we really appreciate it. Great action packed show though, Mike, like just so much to cover. We'll be right back at you in our normal slot Friday, correct? Next Friday. Um, and we'll also bring some great content, um, around basketball because sooner or later, I don't know if we're going to do dual shows. I don't know if we're going to do some, just some, some mashups, Everybody knows that basketball's a good passion of this group that we have here at bullet points. We're going to bring some great basketball content all season long for a potentially top 60, maybe top 50 season from UB basketball. The expectations high. We kept all these players, Mike. This is when the fruits of those labors need to pay off. This is what we would have been promised that no one left strong upper end seniors, potentially depth now after a couple of years of not having any post oats, Lots to look forward to in UB basketball. So stay tuned for that season coming up November 10th with some big games to kind of finish off this MAC football season as well. So, going to be a lot of great UB content in November and December, heading into finals footballs, maybe a bowl season, and then maybe MAC play for basketball. Mike, appreciate you, but it's time to get out of here. Good night now.